Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast, hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board-approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way toward clinical licensure. Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. In today's episode, Marvia Scott, BSW, LICSW, has graced us with her beautiful presence. Marvia is a licensed independent clinical social worker in the states of Alabama, Massachusetts, and Hawaii. She has been practicing social work for the last seven years. Marvia graduated from Auburn University with a bachelor's degree in social work in 2015 and a master's degree in social work from Troy University in 2016. Marvia is currently serving as a suicide prevention coordinator for the Department of Veterans Affairs in Alabama. She also works as a mental health therapist. Most importantly, Marvia is mother to a five-year-old boss babe. In her free time, Marvia enjoys being able to successfully navigate through her career with style and grace, showing other social workers that we can do what we are trained to do while also remaining true to who we are, make money and live the lifestyle that we want to live. Some would even call that a social work baddie. Welcome, Arvia. I am super excited to have you on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me back. I'm glad to be back. I'm so glad you mentioned that. This is part two of that amazing conversation we had, I think, in December 2023. So mm-hmm. we're glad that we're able to follow back up on it. And one of the reasons we're following back up is because of that fun introduction. Talk to me. I'm going to jump right on in. What is a social work baddie and how did you get that title? So a social work baddie, I feel like everybody can have their different definition of what that looks like, right? Like for them. For me, being a social work baddie means being able to navigate through the social work fields, like I said, with style, with grace. Most importantly, being true to who I am as an individual um, while still doing the work um, while still being a good social worker, um, serving my, for me, veterans, um, but not be, not having to change who I am as a person, being able to make the money that I feel like I deserve and live the lifestyle that I want for my daughter and I, um, and being cute while doing it. <laughs> Absolutely. And you are cute. You have always been cute. Marvia, you know, how did you get that title, though? Because I know that your friends call you a social work baddie. This isn't just something that you gave yourself, but your peers and your friends call you social work baddie. So how did you get that title? Um, I think it was because I still and you and I have kind of talked off camera about this, but um, I think it's because I still... I'm still um, like posting the pictures that I want to post. I'm taking the pictures that I want to take. I'm going on the trips. I'm doing the things, but I'm also posting a lot about my social work career. So people are able to see that balance, right? Of like, oh, she's a professional, but she's also a city girl. <laughs> like, it's it's both, right? It's, it's that balance. And I think people are seeing, especially some of the 
Um, I talk a lot to BSW students. Um, so they're seeing that, oh, I don't have to be in this box, right? I can still be true to who I am, still enjoy life, have fun, and be professional while doing that, right? Absolutely. And that's such a great segue to my next question, which is, you know, we do feel like there's this professional side to us and there's personal side to us. I know for me, I personally enjoy things that may not necessarily always be a match to what we've been trained of to believe. It, you know, it feels like social work can even be church and like you can't bring those things to, to the church if, the, if that makes any sense. But yet my clients bring them to me into my office and then here I am, you know, like pretending like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely no. I probably am the queen of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, how do you merge those two sides of yourself? Right. Because the professional side is just as equally important as the personal side. So how do you merge those two sides of yourself? One thing that I want to say about that, Miss Renita, is that I found that my clients want to see and want to know that they're talking to someone that they can relate to in, in certain situations, right? Um, they want to know that the things that they're bringing to me, um, not only can I handle them professionally, but I can also have this level of empathy for them, right? Actually putting myself in their shoes. They like to see, and, and so this is, this is fairly new. I've been social work for like seven years. So I'll say the, the first half of that, I was like, all professional, like you said, church, I cannot bring city girls to social work, you know? Um, but then as I got more comfortable in the field and with the work, the quality of the work that I was bringing, I was able to, you know, show my clients a, a side of me that where I felt like, you know, they can relate better to me. Um, they're more comfortable with me because they know that, you know, I can relate to her, especially like my younger clients, my younger veterans, especially. They're like, oh, I can relate to her. She's 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 cool. She can I, like I can tell her, you know, um, what's really going on and I won't feel judged. Right. Um, so for me, that that's I would say that's what prompted me to to say once I saw that my clients were benefiting from that as well. Um, that was just that extra push for me to remain true to who I am, right? And and merge the two. I'm wondering for, you know, what does that look like though, right, Marvia? Mm -hmm. So for instance, I'm looking at you and like you said, you're cute. Or even me, I have, you know, I have glitter, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> glitter <laughs> on my nails right now. And, you know, one of the things I remember being taught, I don't know if you we're taught this in your BSW or MSW program, but um, when you go to the interview, don't have your hair a certain way, don't have your makeup a certain way, don't have the big bag, however it is we show up personally, don't bring that to the interview with you. And so then, you know, that's just an example of, no, I'm gonna wear my natural hair. I'm gonna, I just went and got my nails done. Y'all gonna see this. <laughs> And I'm going to show up as I authentically am and not, you know, minimize 
who I am because this is how I show up. So how, what is an example for you of showing up authentically that you feel like your clients are now resonating better with you? Um, I would say for me, I'm definitely a nail girly. <laughs> Um, but more so, and you you mentioned like showing up for interviews. I have like every interview that I've done, um, I did not, I can honestly say I did not try to dress myself up to be like a person that I would like, what you see is what you get kind of thing, right? Um, but for my clients, like the nose rings, the tattoos, the nails, the blonde braids, like, you know, um, that's what it looks like for me. And that also like, it makes me more comfortable because it's like, well, I can still do those things. Right. And I don't have to worry about like taking my nails off, going to work or taking my hair down and getting another style through the week that I wouldn't wear on the weekends. You know what I mean? So being able to merge those two. And again, for me, once I saw that my client's they were actually flocking to that, if you will. Like they were more comfortable with me after, um, you know, seeing that. Oh, she is that a nose ring? You know, <laughs> are those nails? You know, they were able to after I saw that it didn't hurt them, right? Um, it was my motivation to to keep being me. I can also say, Miss Anita, and this is kind of side note to that. The last few um jobs that I've had I didn't really have an issue with um I guess leadership saying that I was dressing inappropriately or wearing inappropriate nails or there was one a couple of years ago um where nails were an issue for leadership, not for my clients at all. And that's, we'll get into that because that's one of the jobs that I had to leave. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's, that's what that looks like for me. I have had, thank you for that. And thank you for reminding me. I've had had authority in places that I've worked, asked me to remove any facial jewelry I had, or I even have been, and this was years ago, but I know women still struggle, you know, with it is I, my natural hair was not really what the look that they were going for is what I was told. And one of the things that I just would stand on is my outward appearance has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in my brain. <laughs> this is what you hired me for is what's inside of here, not how I look. And so when, and I know you're going to get into it, but when I removed myself from jobs that did not allow me to show up how I authentically am and look. Those jobs just weren't for me. And I was okay with that, right? Yeah. But before we move on to that, I'm curious, you said half of your career, you were more, um, uh, I don't know, I don't even know, I don't know the adjective, out of textbook, you were coming out of the textbook of what you believed a social work should show up as, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then the second half of your career, you've been showing up as your whole self, both both City Girl and LICSW showing up in, in as your authentic self. Talk to me about the difference in just fluidity of work, enjoyment of work, really, 
the second half of your career, how, how showing up as your whole self has made a difference in how you love or not love social work? Yeah, I think for me, for sure, it has been um, easier to show up at work, like physically be there, right? That's one thing. <laughs> it has been um, just lighter. The environment has been lighter um, the last half, I guess, of my social work career, because I didn't have to worry about, oh, it's Monday, I'm coming from the weekend, let me remove these nails that I just paid $100 for, <laughs> like, let me take out all of my facial jewelry so I can get ready for work. Um, it's been, okay, you've been city girl all weekend, now you can go to work and <laughs> still present as a professional and your city girl self, right? <laughs> So that has been, it's honestly been lighter. That's the word that keeps popping up. Like just the environment um, for me has been a lot better. It's been a lot easier for me to go to work and provide quality work because I'm not having to worry about things that I would think doesn't really matter, right? As long as I am providing quality work to my clients. Absolutely. So, you know, transitioning to my next question, Marvia, one of the premises of this podcast is to create community. In what ways are you a part of a specific social work community? And are there any communities that you've created that social workers are now a part of? Yeah, I would say um, we talked about in the previous podcast how I had just transitioned to a new position within the VA um, and this team has blown my mind. And I don't think I've been a part of a team like within my actual job where I felt like it was an actual community. Um, but I will say I work in suicide prevention, which is very hard, very hard work. Um, and so a lot a part of our day-to-day -day interaction with each other is just debriefing, right? We're able to talk about the hard cases. I actually had one this morning um, and we were able, we have a moment where we're able to just talk about um, what has happened, what we felt like we did right, what we could have done better, how we're taking care of our mental health after that particular situation. And everybody is there and um, engaged in the conversation. So that is, is a community for me, uh, which is very helpful because that's a big part of my career. Like that job is a big part of my career. Um, but then also the other side of it, and for me where I feel like I have that balance is because now, of course, the Facebook groups are so popular and I, we ob obviously have your group, Goddesses of Social Work. We have, um, I think it's social work or Black social workers of Alabama, I think it is. We have that group. Um, and now TikTok. <laughs> Everybody loves TikTok. So there's always little TikTok uh, little videos about social work. And I that is where I see um, a lot of the merging of, you know, people bringing themselves, them wholesale, their wholesales like to the fields of social work and being able to balance the two. 
Um, so yeah, but I, I think honestly, and I, I just thought about that when you asked me the question about community, um, my full-time job, like how big of a community that is for me, which is really, really helpful. And I'm going to lean into that just a little bit, because I think it wasn't until almost four years ago when I realized the importance of community. I've been doing this for 24 years, so I, you know, could just do my own thing, but uh, didn't realize how important community was until, you know, 2020. How You've been a social worker for almost eight years now, mm-hmm. and this is your first year at this particular position within the VA. How are you realizing the importance of social work community and how has it benefited you? You said it was helpful. Mm-hmm. How has it benefited you? Um, Because it is that extra support, right? Mm-hmm. Where you feel like you're not alone, especially um, for social workers that are in new positions, right? Um, you need that extra backup right to um kind of just so you'll know like just validate what you already know right um but also just to be that support that general support um and I'm trying to think back to when a time where I didn't feel like I had that community um and those that would be like more more of the jobs where I was the only social worker. Um, And that's how I would say to this day, that's always a hard position to be in when you're the only social worker, you're the only one that understands your field at the round table. You're the only one there that can back you up, right? Um, And so even thinking back to those experiences, I'm realizing more how beneficial it is to when you have to go to the round table with other, um, you know, clinicians, with the doctors and the nurses, you have a team there that says, hey, this is why we're making that decision. This is where this came from, right? As a team, you're able to bring that, you know, to the table. But on the other side of that, we've been talking about that balance. It's also helpful to see um, other social workers are able to be true to themselves while also doing, you know, social work. So that is because for a long time, I battled with that because I felt like, I'm the only one out here trying to be a city girl and a social worker, (laughs) you know, but seeing other people, especially other black women, you know, um, bringing that to the table of kind of like, hey, this is you get the whole me. Right. Um, That has been so helpful. That is super helpful, I believe, is representation matters. Yes. Yes, it matters. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to make sure we had you back on. Marvia, what's one belief about social work you started with that you feel has changed the most since the time you began your career? That's easy. <laughs> um, that you can't make any money in social work. I think we started with this question too in in the last um in our last interview, but yeah. I think I came into, we talked about how I came into the field with the mentality that I just got to do this because I it's what I love to do. I, I'm not really going to make a lot of money doing it. 
Um, but this is what I signed up for. So I just got to do it. Um, and then over time, I think, and, and even let me say, Miss Renita, um, because I feel like I've had social work mentors, if you will, you being one that, you know, has shown me that that is not the case. Like you can make money, right, in, in social work. But I'm one that's like, I got to see the money. It got to be my money, <laughs> you know? So um, I think once I got to a point where I was actually seeing the money, it was kind of like, oh, you can't, like, I can, you know, do what I love and make the money that I feel like I should make, right? Absolutely. I was also thinking, because you try, I, I think even one time last year, we both were in New York at the same time. Yep. <laughs> like, we didn't see each other, but we were both in yes. New York. So you're, you travel like I do, and I'm wondering, I'm shifting, and not just with the money, but I'm, I remember when you were really a baby social worker and, and thinking about that image of you and wondering, did you see yourself as a social worker traveling as much as you do? Because yeah. you've been not just within the United States, but, you know, overseas. And so I'm just curious, like, was that even something you visualized as a baby social worker that you would be able to travel for luxury as much, as, not for work, but doing this on your own as much as you do? Not at all. It was kind of one of those things where it, it was like a dream. Like I wanted, I, this is what I want. Like, I, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but this is what I want. Um, and it still kind of chokes me up talking about it to this day, like thinking about where I started versus where I am now. And honestly, like in hindsight, how fast it came, right? Because yes, it's, it's been seven years, but I it feels like I was just in your class like last week, <laughs> you know? So it 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 chokes me up even thinking about it, Miss Renita, because I don't like again, I had that dream of like, I want to do all the things. I want to travel. I want to, if I want an expensive bag, I want to be able to buy it. You know, I have Peyton. I want her to live a certain lifestyle. Um, so I dreamed about it, but I, no, I don't, I can't say that I just knew that I would reach that point. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're in the new year. And before I transition to my last question, I'm wondering, because I'm all about vision, vision boarding, you know, I had you guys even do it in mm -hmm. school. <laughs> and, you know, I was just thinking about that version of you seven years ago, who couldn't imagine living as a social worker, licensed in multiple states, traveling all over the world, living a particular lifestyle that you desire to live. And I guess I just want to push you a little bit. Next seven years, darling, what, where do you see yourself within your career? So not just within your career, because we've been talking about professionally and personally, you know, keep it as, you know, general as you want to, but merging those two things together, like we talked about today, and what does that look like in the next seven years? So I think in the next seven years, I definitely, we kind of talked about this last time too, um, career-wise, I'm still trying to figure out, and I think it's because um, being like in the federal government already and seeing all of the opportunities that, that social workers have, 
Um, I think I want to bounce around a little bit, right? Um, I still, and this may be TMI, but I have like my GS12 already. So being able to be there, now I feel like, okay, well, I can just jump around and have fun with it a little bit. You know what I mean? Because that is what I, I worked for. Like, that is what I was hard at work for. And once I reached that point, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, well, I can do other things even outside of the VA, still be in the federal government. But like we talked about last time, CDC, um, you know, FBI, there's all kinds of stuff that um, is open to social work. But I, one of my goals for this year is being able to, I guess, balance more of a work-life balance. Because even though I've been, you know, taking the trips here and there, I mean some of the basics, right? Um, so still taking the trips, doing all the, the things, um, but just day-to-day stuff, right? Better self-care, um, being more present um, in the house, like while my daughter is here. Um, so I am working on that. That's like my short-term goal, I guess. But still being able to, you know, take the trips, take her on trips, do the shopping that I want to do and not feel guilty about it or not have to, uh, you know, struggle after I made a big purchase or, you know, whatever the case is. But um, yeah. And then let me just add, because I think this is important too, Miss Anita. I'm still figuring that out as well. Like I am at that phase where I feel like I have um, reached a, a big milestone in my career. And now I want to still, like, I'm, I, I still have to figure out what's next. Right. So I, I feel like it's important for social workers to know that it's okay to be in that phase too, of where you're like, I don't really know what's next. Like I'm in that point where I'm still figuring out what's next for me. I love it. it I, I'm being reminded of the seven year itch. Like, you know, to me, that means it's time to grow. That's yeah. what that means. It's time to grow. I, I kind of want to dig into something. You didn't say it, but it reminded me of the concept. Uh, I would often tell uh, younger clinical social workers, you know, who would take all the jobs, <laughs> especially here in Alabama and Georgia, you know, there, for a while before they expanded how we can get the clinical, maybe even still, um, there was not that many clinical social workers. So as soon as you got your clinical, these jobs were just coming after you because the organization agency needs those credentials. And so I would see people with their clinical license taking on three, four jobs at a time. I was like, oh my goodness. And so kind of what I just heard you say is like, you got your whole career ahead of you. Slow <laughs> down. <laughs> take your time. You don't have to take do all the things and, and take all the jobs all at one time. This, we're going to keep on... We're, they're always going to need social workers mm -hmm. and we're going to just keep on going and you can take your time and enjoy each part of the journey versus yeah. trying to uh, gorge on it all in one year. Yeah, no. So now that you say that, I, I that was me. I was definitely taking all the jobs. <laughs> 
because it was like, oh my gosh, I qualify for this now. Or, oh my gosh, they're calling me. I'm not calling them. Like, you know, it was just that excitement. And that's a part of what I mean by slowing down and like just being present in my personal life because the past year has been me working like three or four different jobs and not because I needed to but because the opportunity was there um that's getting old (laughs) so that was definitely me and I feel like again it was just that excitement of like oh my gosh I qualify for this now you know I'm doing it because I I can you know yeah you're definitely talking to me when you say that (laughs) I love that we brought that up because I just want to say take your time Yeah. They will come after you. And then if you're not on your own heat personal healing journey, mm-hmm. right, then you get stuck in some of these toxic work environments and feel like because you're the only clinical whatever, you can't leave them. No, no, no. Be very intentional now that you have your clinical license about what direction you want to take your career in versus, you know, jumping on the bandwagon of every job because they're going to they are still filling my inbox. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes I have to think, is it time for me to go back? And I'm like, no, hey, what are you thinking? I'll never go back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that was me for sure. Yes. I love it. I love that we brought that up. I'm moving on to our last question. It's, oh man, yeah. It's already our last question, but um you know, we talked about in our previous conversation, episode eight of the Goddesses Social Podcast. I'm just saying it again. <laughs> um, but one of the things that really stood out to me was not staying at jobs where you are not inspired, right? But so many folks would say to you, Marvia, that sounds easier than it actually is. Um, what advice, Marvia, do you have for the social workers out there? that feel stuck, that feel like they can't be true to themselves and be successful in this field of social work? Yeah, I would say join a social work community for sure. That's where the community is really important because um, for me, a part of being able, like I mentioned earlier, being able to um, bring myself you know, my true self to my, to the field is seeing that other people are doing that successfully, right? Um, If you, for, and I'm the type of person where I need to see it done, right? Like I need to see it to, to believe it, right? So if you're in a space where you're not, you're not um seeing other social workers, like being able to actually enjoy being there, Um, You need to get in a community of some sort, whether it's the Facebook groups, whether it's TikTok, whether it's, you know, um, just other social workers, maybe even finding community in your um, like your class that you graduated with study groups, whatever the case is. um, But start reaching out, networking, right. Talking to other people. That's that's a big one. I want to be realistic too, Miss Renita, and say that I would never encourage someone to just pick up and go. For me, um, at a certain point, it was 
I was stuck there because financially I needed to be there, right? One particular situation that I could think of is when I had just had my daughter. Um, I'm a single mom. It made no sense for me to quit a job and not have another one. Um, so what I, I, I was looking, you know, for other employment as I was still making money from this employer. Um, but I knew that I wasn't happy there. I couldn't be myself there. It started to affect the work that I was bringing to the clients. So I knew it was time to go, but for me, I could not just up and quit without having, you know, um, a plan B. So I would say for sure. Um, and then a, another side to that too, Mr. Nita, is I don't think it's it's anything wrong with keeping a, another employer in your back pocket, if you will, right? Even with the VA, I, I, I love the VA and I probably will never leave unless I'm going to another government agency. Um, but the VA can get left too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> They can get left too, um, but I, it's it's because I have other things in my back pocket, right? I, I'm I'm not going to put myself in a situation of where if something falls through with the VA, I have nothing else to fall back on. Is what I mean. I love the VA, but <laughs> I love that so much. And mm-hmm. I think what you did was put the value on the clinical license. Yes, the VA and or the federal government is the top employer of social workers, but there are thousands of social workers, I'm one of them, who've never even thought about Mm -hmm. (laughs) working for the federal government and are doing really well. And so, again, being part of community and saying, okay, well, there's a community of social workers at the federal government level and they're doing well, they're taking trips, government even pays for some of those trips, right? But there's also civilian social workers doing just as well Mm -hmm. who have never thought about. And I think, again, it is the seeing let me see that it, I could do this on both ends. And the common denominator is that license. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that license. I sure. even kind of even want to say the MSW, right? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes we get so stuck on, oh, I got to get licensed. I got to get licensed. But there's so many opportunities for that MSW as well. So mm-hmm. I would I would even say the common denominator is uh that MSW that then is the foundation to the other licenses that we all have so for sure for sure Marvie it's been so awesome talking to you today thank you for coming back a second time thank you for having me it's always a pleasure absolutely thank you for listening to today's episode of the goddesses of social work podcast We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.